0: Welcome back to the Very Short Introductions podcast. From public health to Buddhist ethics, soft matter to classics, and art history to globalization, we will showcase a concise and original introduction to a wide range of subjects, for wherever your curiosity may take you. So here is today's Very Short Introduction.
1: Welcome to this Very Short Introduction podcast. I'm Lyman tower Sargent, Professor Emeritus of Political Science at the University of Missouri-St. Louis where I taught for 40 years. During that time, I held fellowships at the Institute for Advanced Studies in Princeton, the Institute for Advanced Studies at the University of Nottingham, and at the London School of Economics, and the Universities of East Anglia, Exeter, London, and Oxford in England, and at the Stout Research Center for New Zealand Studies at Victoria University, Wellington in New Zealand. My very short introduction is on utopianism what I call social dreaming, which I discovered as an undergraduate. While I can no longer remember what utopias I read first, I found them deeply satisfying and recognized that in crossing disciplinary boundaries, they reflected my understanding of the world better than the classes I was taking. More importantly, utopias say, the world doesn't have to be like this, that it could be much better, or as I began to read dystopias, much worse with the dystopia served as warnings about problems the authors saw in contemporary society. My interest led the head of the campus library, where I was working to help pay my way through university, to tell me about a set of documents from an attempt to put into practice the ideas of a French author of Utopia, who founded what became seven communities in the United States from the late 1840s to the late 1890s. As a result, I ended up writing my doctoral thesis on that movement in France and the United States. And with the encouragement of my doctoral mentor, read much more widely on utopianism and about the many communities that were founded based on a vision of the good life. And while I also taught and worked in other areas, primarily American political thought and contemporary political ideologies, my interest in utopianism has been the central focus of my research for which I have been awarded the Distinguished Scholars Awards from the Communal Studies Society and the Society for Utopian Studies, and a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Utopian Studies Society Europe. The word Utopia was coined by Thomas More as the name of the imaginary country described in his book now known as Utopia, rather than the long complicated title He gave it when it was published in Latin in 1516. Now, more than 500 years later, there are fundamental disagreements over how to read the book. One agreement, though, is that the word utopia means no place or nowhere, but the More also used topia or place with the prefix eu, which creates a word meaning good place. As a result, Utopia with just the U has come down to us as referring to a non-existent good place. Others have added additional prefixes to create Uchronia or good time, coined in 1876, and most importantly dystopia or bad place, that appears to have been first used in 1747. Throughout my career, I've been interested in ideal societies or utopias as both critique of the present and as suggestions for possible change. As I say in the book, all utopias ask questions. They ask whether or not the way we live could be improved and answer that it could. Most utopias compare life in the present and life in the utopia and point out what is wrong with the way we live now thus suggesting what needs to be done to improve things. And that critical function is perhaps the most important thing that utopianism does. It holds a mirror up to society showing its flaws and says we can do better. The book has two important messages. First, I contend that if we want to improve individually and socially, we need to have a better idea of where we want to go or a utopia which refers to good, better, best. It does not mean perfect. Second, and here I'm quoting the text, utopianism is essential for the improvement of the human condition. And in this sense, opponents of utopianism are both wrong and potentially dangerous. But I also argue that if used wrongly, and it has been, utopianism is itself dangerous. And in this sense, supporters of utopianism are both wrong and potentially dangerous. I was recently surprised and pleased to see these words used in English and Swedish as the epigraph in the catalog of a 2016 exhibit in an art gallery in Stockholm. In one of my first articles, I said that utopianism had what I called three faces, utopian literature, intentional communities, and utopian social theory, which includes utopia in political theory, relationship between utopian ideology, and the roles of utopia in religion and colonialism and post-colonialism. Of course, the idea of good and bad places existed long before the words utopia and dystopia were coined, and people have frequently created places to live that were intended to reflect their visions of the good life. Such places have many different names, communes and utopian communities or experiments. Now most members of such communities and scholars prefer the neutral name, intentional communities. As a member of such a community once said to me, the word utopia sets too high a standard. Some of these communities were quite successful. Some of them horrified those that did not share the vision and some lost division. Others. others came to an end for a variety of reasons, and what constitutes success is hotly debated among both community members in those states. For quite some time, longevity was used as the main way of measuring success, but many felt that if a community filled the needs of its members for however long, it was a success. But it is also worth noting that today, in many parts of the world, there are communities that are 50 and 75 years old, and some that are even 100 years old. Also, new ones are being regularly established. Mostly, nowadays, eco-villages designed to be sustainable, or as co-housing communities, where homes are mostly individually owned, and the property in some buildings are owned by the community, and with different degrees of community life. Utopianism has also been the label for a way of thinking, and much of the book is concerned with the ways that ideas about social betterment have influenced the way people thought and behaved. For example, colonialism came about because people wanted a better life than they could find in their home countries, so they can be thought of as having been pushed from a dystopian life while being pulled by the vision of a better place and a new place. That better life might have been being able to practice their religion as they wish, or more often, the hope of being able to provide the basic utopia of a full stomach and decent clothing and housing for themselves and their families. But settler community colonies inevitably created dystopias for the indigenous inhabitants who had their own notions of what constituted a good life. And since settler colonialism has mostly ended, the picture has become more complex with the recognition that both sets of utopias are valid. Awareness of the dystopias that were created for the original inhabitants, and the successes and failures of the dreams of the settlers. The attempts to reconcile all these interests has produced a wide variety of utopian and dystopian texts. For some Christians, Utopianism and the imagery of Eden, the millennium, and heaven and hell is central to their beliefs, while for others it is, as one book has it, the perennial heresy. The heresy is that from one perspective, the idea of utopia seems to deny original sin, through which the utopia of Eden was lost and cannot be regained through any human action. For Christian utopians, though, the point is not to reachieve Eden, but to try to create a better or good life as Christians by living a life that reflects Christ's teaching. The disagreement among Christians is at least partially over whether or not utopia implies perfection. Sinful humans cannot achieve perfection in this life. So from this perspective, the belief in utopia is heretical. But if utopia means not perfect, but better or good, as most utopians contend, the possibility of a Christian utopia makes perfect sense. And there are a lot of them. The role utopianism plays in political theory is quite similar, in that it also turns on the word perfect. Those who reject utopianism contend that utopias are blueprints that must be followed in every detail and given what humans are like, that is impossible. Therefore, force and violence will be used to bring the utopia into being, and continued force will be needed to keep it. Very few utopias, though, are blueprints, but are visions of what life could be life, and is designed not to be put in practice in all their details, but to point, by contrast, with things that are wrong about the current system and suggest how they could be improved. No one can deny that regimes like those depicted by the opponents of utopianism have and do exist. But the problem is not in the idea of a good life, but in the fact that some people come to believe that others should be forced in the mold they envision. And one of the main functions of utopianism in the 20th and 21st centuries has been to critique such regimes by pointing out that they are, in fact, dystopians and envisioning alternative, better ways to live. Such utopianism has been very effective in undermining the dystopias created by those who believe in their own infallibility. This distinction is reflected also in the complex relationship between ideology and utopia. An ideology is a system of beliefs that provides the believer with a coherent view of the world and, almost always, a sense of how much better a life would be if this set of beliefs were put into practice. Thus, there is a utopia at the heart of an ideology. A utopia, though, is not an ideology. But if it attracts believers, it can become one, and that has happened and is the basis of much of the opposition to utopianism. But given that critique is the most important function of utopianism, it is also one of the most effective ways of criticizing an ideology. Today we are once more in a time of conflicting ideologies in which true believers know with certainty that they are right.
0: As a result,
1: we need to find a place to stand that allows us to be aware of what each ideological position entails. Utopianism provides that standpoint, but it has to be a self-aware and self-critical utopianism, so that it does not fall into the trap of becoming just another intolerant ideology insistent that there is only one right way. My belief, obviously, is that utopianism is important even essential, but also that it can be dangerous and misused. I hope that what I've had to say today might lead you to learn more about utopianism and its meanings and influences on you personally and the society in which you live by looking more deeply at it than is possible in a short talk. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Very Short Introductions podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favourite app, such as Apple or Spotify, to receive all of our episodes directly in your feed. All of our episodes, new and old, can also be found on SoundCloud and YouTube at Oxford Academic. You can also access content from very short introductions on the Oxford Academic platform through your institution.